Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. God is so, so good. Thanks, Aaron. That's, isn't it awesome? You don't need a whole band to encounter God's presence. You just need a few hearts that join together and flow. While you're getting your notebooks out, we're worshipping. And Gary and Heather, I just want to encourage you guys. I haven't seen these guys for years. They were pastoring down at Tin Cam Bay. But these are the w- words the Lord spoke to me while we were worshipping. I looked over and saw you guys just passionately worshipping. And God wants to remind you it's not over until he says it's over. And he also says it's not over until he says it's good. He works all things together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And I saw your spirits just reaching up. And it's not what other people say, it's what he says that finally counts. And there have been times when people have got in your ear and you've at times been not sure what to listen to, but the Spirit of God says clearly, remember, hear my voice so clear and I will increase and build on the seeds that you have sown in the past. God hasn't forgotten those and he's going to bring about a harvest in your life. It's not over until he says it's good. Father, I pray your blessing on this precious couple. Father, just encourage them right now. Holy Ghost, oh, let your anointing and your word just flow into their souls right now. Refresh them, I pray. Lord, right from the beginning of this time, Holy Ghost, Lord, you've brought them here and you're going to do a work of great grace and refreshing. Oh, Lord, let that river, that river of life just flow again powerfully in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for it, Lord. Amen. Before I speak... Who's in pain right now? We want to pray before we go. Someone's got a headache or you've got physical pain in your body. Just lift your hand up right now. Why should we go through this session with you suffering in pain? That doesn't make any sense while we pray for the sick at the end of the service. They've wrestled through with headaches and pain all service, can't concentrate to worship and hear the word. And then we think, oh, we'll pray for the sick as they're leaving, going out. I think that doesn't make any sense to me. If you're in pain, stand right now because we're going to pray for you. Just stand if you're in pain. It's okay, we all carry stuff in our lives. Some of you got a sore neck from driving a few hours to get here. Okay, if you've stood, just reach up to heaven. I want at least two or three to get up and stand around. Let's pray the prayer of faith right now. Let's believe, let's believe right now for the lifting of that pain in their bodies. Just find someone that's got their hand raised. Let's believe right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we release your healing power. Those headaches, we may, they must go right now. Lord, that pain down that leg right now for your healing presence in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray in that elbow right now, release that pain. Lord, set their backs free. I thank you for healing and release right now, Father. Lord, we receive that from you right now. And we receive your healing presence right now. And each one that's raised their hand and reached out and asked in faith. Thank you for it now. Lord, I just thank you for your healing release. In the name of Jesus, I thank you for your healing release in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for faith being activated right now in Jesus' name. I thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Pain, you must leave that body and we release your healing power in your awesome, awesome name. Oh, oh. Oh God, just release that in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 
I'm not sure what you've come expecting, but we're going to have some fun together. We're going to make some room. We're going to share on some different topics. And I'm going to start today with an interesting topic called door openers and gatekeepers. And this is the first part, and the second part is open heaven. You have an open heaven. This message started about four years ago. We're here in a, um, we're having a prayer and praise night. Once every two or three months, we turn our Sunday night service into a prayer and praise night where we um, just have lots more worship and then we have prayer and intercession interspersed throughout the night. It usually goes for an hour and a half, hour and three quarters, and it's really hard to get people out of the building because they're just getting really warmed up by then. Most times we sing our three or four songs on Sunday and people are just starting to get in the presence and then we move on. I'm thinking... That doesn't make sense either sometimes. So we, we make room. And I remember Peter's wife, Emma, was up here, one of the worship team, and she started to sing a prophetic song out of Psalm 24. Who is this King of glory? The King of glory make him. And as soon as she started singing, I get this download from heaven, and he says, you are a door opener and a gatekeeper. And I would never have thought of that, and it just came, and I said, well, what's that mean? So this short leadership truth Burst in my heart out of Psalm 24. Verse 7, lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. The psalmist writing, when he sees the king of glory coming through the gates, everything changes. And God spoke to my heart and said, this is a life and a leadership principle you need to get a hold of. Lift up your heads. Lift up your eyes, Lord. Don't keep looking down or in the, on the inside. It's so easy in life and ministry because you're often facing your weaknesses and your inadequacies when you're growing and leading. You're often looking at them. And you can end up just looking down and inside so often. And the Lord said, you've got to regularly lift up your eyes and see the king of glory see how awesome he is otherwise you'll get introverted overwhelmed and stumble along i was watching the uh, tour de france recently some of you sat up late and watched that in and amazing the scenery and those crazy bike riders doing 130 kilometers an hour down those mountains i just shake my head and thinking they're weird but it was raining one day and someone was falling over and the commentator said when a bike rider learns to ride professionally the first thing they teach him is keep your eyes up, keep your eyes up, keep your eyes up. Because you're tempted to look down and see what's at your feet. But he said they teach them all the time, keep your eyes up, look as far ahead as you can down that road and occasionally glance in front of you. He said if you do that, you will rarely crash. And the temptation is when the pressure's on and it's wet, you're looking down here and that's when you crash. You lose balance, you lose focus. And I thought, wow, that's a great leadership principle. Keep your eyes up. Just keep your eyes up and occasionally glance down. We look down and occasionally glance up. That's not the way you ride a professional bike riders, and it's not the way that we do leadership in life. And the 100-meter sprinters is exactly the same. What do they do? They're down there. They're looking at the finish line. They get up, and they keep their eyes focused on the finishing line. They don't look down where they're running. They don't look on the side right or left to see if they're still in the lane. They don't look at the competitors. They fix their eyes, and they just go straight for that end. And yet in life and leadership, we get distracted so easily. We're looking down most of the time. And I thought, Lord, help us to look up and see the King of glory. The question is asked, who is the King of glory? The answer is so emphatic. The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord 
mighty in battle, the Lord Almighty, He is the King of glory. And I wrote down my notes, how big is your God? And we've got to regularly have a check. How big is our God? One thing I've learned about praise and worship, it says you magnify the Lord when you praise and worship. We don't make Him any bigger, but He certainly gets bigger in our awareness and in our mind and our thinking. So the more you praise and worship, that's why we are passionate worshipers and praise, praisers in our church, and I know that you are too, because it makes God bigger in your understanding, because He gets the focus. We are door openers and gatekeepers. What does that mean? It's for our lives, our families, our churches, our towns and our cities, our place of influence. This can be for good or evil. Remember the Old Testament? It says King so-and-so of Judah or Israel said he did good in the eyes of the Lord and all the people enjoyed peace. The next king did evil in the eyes of the Lord and got him in a diary and there was war and strife and, and heartache. This is the door opener principle. That the leader... Whatever you open your heart to and walk into will greatly influence the atmosphere that all the people in your church or leadership follow. And this is what God said in the spirit realm, what you're prepared to open up to and embrace will open the door for all the people that are in, under your leadership or in your sphere of influence, you're helping open the door for their lives. Now we understand we're all priests before God and we all have personal responsibility but in the spirit realm I have learnt what you choose to welcome and embrace will open the door for so many others to enter in and you think about it if you're if you're a real prayer and you love to pray as a leader and intercede and believe for breakthrough guess what you'll have a whole lot of people in your church are prayers just because you've opened the door and they follow your example if you are open for the gifts of the Holy Spirit and you regularly prophesy and make room for it, guess what? Their hearts will be open to it. You can say, well, I'm open to it, but you don't do it. That doesn't work. You've got to be open to it and demonstrate it. And so if you're a praiser and a worshiper, you do it. I had a guy on Sunday, because I sing loud. <laughs> I just can't help it. And uh, i got my built-in amplifiers. And I remember when we were going out, Marilyn and I, we went to our little country church, Northern Toowoomba, and uh, she heard the ch the, my uncle singing about three blocks away, and she thought there was about 200 people in the church, and there's about 25 of them, but they were filling the whole town. They had bigger voices than I did. But I love to praise you. One guy on the way says, no one can out-sing you, can they? I said, well, I don't know about that, but I'm just worshipping God with all my heart. So it's not how loud you are, it's how much heart's in it. And so I'm a passionate praiser and worshipper. And guess what? Our church passionately loves to praise and worship. And that's not a pressure in the wrong way because it might only just not, you mightn't be good at singing, but you've got a heart to worship and God will bring others around that can do the other. So it's not just what you do, but it's an attitude of heart in the spirit realm. If you, some people say, how come people get saved regularly in church? I said, well, I believe for it. And I go and I give an altar call every service. And when I first did it, not everyone service people got saved. They still don't get saved every service, but rarely does a weekend go by where people don't come to Christ. I determined a long time ago, I'm going to open the door wide for people to come to Christ. And I'm going to invite them every time passionately. And God in His grace just seems to send people regularly to meet the cry of your heart. And, and so I want to say we're a door opener in so many areas and especially in the realm of the Spirit. If you're afraid, 
of the supernatural, we think, oh, we won't have too much tongue speaking in case we scare people away in church. Guess what? The Holy Spirit will respect that and he'll just stay outside. I'm going to be blunt here. I'm going to be clear. I've been around long enough. I don't just play with words anymore. The Bible says tongues are a sign to the unbeliever. I don't know where on earth we've believed the lie that it drives people away. To lie. You've got to leave, let's, we've got to get back to what the Word of God says, not what modern culture or church culture says. Yeah. So it's good. Yeah. I believe it. But if you are scared of it, guess what? The people will be too. It's what you open up for opens the door in lots of ways. If you've got a generous heart, guess what? There's a whole pile of generous people who will end up after a season being a part of your church. It's so you're a door open in your family. I've watched families. Some of them just have this blessed life and others, there's always chaos. And sooner or later, you'll find the mum or the dad or someone of authority in that family has got a closed door or an open door in an area that is right or wrong. It just opens the door. We are door openers. We are gatekeepers. In other words, gatekeepers keep the wrong things out. So wise leaders keep the weird and the dangerous stuff out. And if you're a pastor or shepherd, the Holy Spirit will speak to you. I don't hear voices from God every day. But I remember about 10 years ago, I was, sitting, I was standing on the front seat. We were worshiping God. I glanced around in the second song and there was a new guy walked through the door. And as clear as the bell, the Holy Spirit said, watch him. He's dangerous. He's going to rip, people, rip money off people in your church. I'd never seen the guy before. And I think, whoa. So I watched. I watched who he connected with in the next couple of weeks. And sure enough, he got to a lady and ripped her off $1,000 within three weeks of being in our church. I finally found out. I went and confronted him. He denied it until the lady sitting there and said, yes, you did. So then I didn't kick him out of the church. I rang his previous pastor. He said, yeah, he's a con artist from Sydney. He told me all these ministry stories. But the Holy Spirit, as a shepherd, warned me as he walked through the door. I haven't been that alert. I've missed some, and we've got caught sometimes. And I think, Holy Spirit, help me to listen clearer so that I'm a gatekeeper for my family and our church in the spirit realm. Because he wants to tell us. We're just sometimes not open enough to hear it. And if you do hear it, act on it with wisdom. I didn't go and bowl him up, but I've certainly went and met him and found out who he was and what church he'd come from. So I already had that in the back of my mind and followed it through. And so you can be a gatekeeper to keep out the wrong, but you can also be a door opener in the spirit realm and all of us have had disappointments we've had stuff we've had weird stuff going we've had people give us prophecies that were a million miles from weren't from heaven that's for sure and so we've had all that dumb stuff happen and we've had people come in the name of the lord and the holy spirit told me and you know very well it's got nothing to do with god it's just justifying some agenda or stuff we have all that happen i've been around 40 years in ministry but I've learned, let that not tarnish my heart and let me get more passionate for the truth. Many pull back when they get disappointed or wounded. It's a self-protection mode. But we've got to be careful. We learn from it and grow and get wiser. So many of us can pull back instead of saying, Lord, I didn't quite pick that. I didn't quite understand that. But Lord, I'm going to get sharper and I'm going to keep opening the door wider for your spirit. Because if the Holy Spirit was more room, 
I would have probably picked that up quicker. So in a positive sense, the kings did good, peace came. Now, it's not only for you and your church, it's for your city. When I walked through these doors nearly 15 years ago, we were coming to preach and get interviewed to see whether we'd become the pastors of the church. Now, some of you know the history of this church. For 10 years before, there'd been some difficult seasons. Errol and others know it better than I do. The previous three pastors had left under difficult or bad situations. So the people were so cautious and just very cautious. So when I walked through the door, I'm saying, Lord, what am I going to preach on? And then we had the interview at Sylvia's place and that was, they were gracious, but also very diligent because they wanted to check out who might become their new pastor. As I walked through the door, God gave me an open vision as I walked through the door. That's the first time it's happened when I walked into a church. I had an open vision. I walked through the door and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and says, this place used to be a place of great spiritual revival. And many of you know the Beth Shen camp. We had used to have state and national conferences here. And all sorts of amazing things have happened in Harvey. Bill Hybels, the first time we ever preached in Australia, was here at Harvey Bay. Tommy and Matthew Barnett, the first time I've ever preached in Australia, was standing on the pulpit in this church. So through David Cartledge and other comments. So God said, it's been a place of great spiritual breakthrough. We've now been wrestling, and this is the word he said. He said, for a while there's been a backwater, but the days are coming where the doors will open again for my spirit to pour powerfully in this city and beyond. So God spoke to him and said, I've called you to the church and the city. So God's called you to influence not only over your church, but over your community and your city. And we can choose to start to open that door by prayer and praise and believing, whether you've got 20 people or 200 or 500 doesn't matter it's the attitude of heart and we've got to grab a hold of this being a door opener and a gatekeeper what we value and give attention to will grow if you love kids and kids ministry guess what it'll grow (laughs) somehow God just hears that cry what you give attention to if you love small groups and discipleship guess what you'll have more of those happening in your church Visiting speakers will often flow in prophecy and the gifts of the Spirit more when they come to our church than they do in other church. And they often say, I don't know what happened. Started preaching, next minute I'm prophesying everyone. I rarely do that, they say. I said, I know what's happened. Because in the Spirit, God's led us to have an open door in the realm of the prophetic and the Spirit. So when anyone comes in that's got any inkling of that in their life, all of a sudden it breaks loose. I remember we had a lady when I was... 18 came to the church at Nambour and she was a prophetess she used to regularly have angels showing up and she just moved in the realm of spirit and she taught on visions and then at the end she says Lord I release everyone to have a vision in God just about everyone in that church had a vision that night whether they'd ever had one in their life or not and I was 18 and just stunned I thought then they got people to share what their visions were and I just was just amazed I had one myself It was just incredible. And I thought, how does this work? She was a door opener in the spirit realm and everyone got in the overflow of it. That's how powerful this is. And I want to encourage you to get a hold of this. Some of you already know this really well, but the Lord got a hold of me about four years ago and said, you need to learn how to release this and flow in it for your life, your family, your church and the region. And as we do that, stuff happens in the spirit realm and for healing saying well how do anyone gets healed i said well do you pray for them every week oh no i said well 
you just got to keep believing and praying every week. Every service, there's rarely a service goes by where we don't make some spot to pray for people for, heal, for healing. We don't get miracles every day, but we have a whole lot of people get better. And every now and then you have the, the suddenlies. If you want suddenlies, you've got to keep doing the dailies well. So if you pray daily, you'll end up with more suddenlies. We want to wait for the suddenlies and pray and fast for a week and pray for suddenlies. He says, no, just do the dailies right and then I'll show up and do the suddenlies. And that's what happens with healing and prayer and salvation and whatever area that it is. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Enter his gates. I love this one, Psalm 60 verse 11. Your gates will always stand open. Wow. They will never be shut, day or night, so that people may bring you the wealth of the nations, their kings led in triumphal procession. Wow, that's a good, that's a good picture, isn't it? Genesis 28, 17 is the story of Jacob <coughs> with sleeping on a rock. No wonder he had a bad dream, a good dream. He saw the angels ascending and descending on the ladder and open heaven. He said, he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Is your church and your ministry a gate of heaven? So whoever comes through the doors or influences, they have a gateway to heaven. Wow. If you build and believe for that, you watch and see who God will bring to your life. And you watch and see what will begin to break loose more and more over the people in your church and your community. This is the gate of heaven. That's the first reference to an open heaven and basically the church where the angels are sending and descending. One more scripture there is John 14, 6. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Just a little side note of that scripture. Jesus is the way. He opens the door. The Bible says he is the gate. And... Um, I've shared this wherever I go. A few years ago, this, this verse jumped alive in me. And the Lord rebuked me. Have you ever had the Lord rebuke you? Gently but firmly. He rebuked me and says, why do you only preach half the gospel? Boy, that's a pretty challenging word. I'm saying, God, what do you mean? I've been preaching for years and people can say, he says, you're only preaching half that verse. And I stopped and I said, Lord, please show me because I'm not getting it. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You've preached salvation, but you haven't taught people why. The reason people get saved is so they can come to the Father and have a relationship with the Heavenly Father. That's the whole gospel. And we rarely talk about that. We want to get people saved from hell and get them a blessed life but the reason you get a blessed life is so that you can connect with your heavenly father and then bring the father's blessing from heaven to earth and touch everything around you and i thought lord help me help me to do that better the father the holy spirit will always reveal jesus and the father so we see there's many doorways open we do it by faith we walk in his spirit we are led by the Holy Spirit of God. Acts 4, 29 says, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. 
Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. It wasn't an earthquake. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Wow, their spirits were so shaken that the physical building started to shake. God, give us days where that happens. Give us days where they haven't... Remember last year we had all those earthquakes around here? We don't get earthquakes at all. We had 15 tremors off Fraser Island here. And three of them were felt quite strongly in Harvey Bay. And, and God wants us not to look for the supernatural as a sign in themselves, but to just let God so fill your heart that every now and then he'll shake things in, and in you and around you. And I believe that's happening and going to happen more and more and mark 16 19 says after the lord jesus spoke to them he was taken up into heaven he sat at the right hand of god then the disciples went out and preached everywhere and the lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it wow as we preach the word of god in boldness and authority he will confirm it and the greatest sign is a transformed life the greatest signs are transformed lives and as you see that come the kingdom of heaven is here. I think the prayer of Jesus in the Lord's Prayer is so powerful. And Bill Johnson has written books about this. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. When I first read his book, When Heaven Invades Earth, that gripped my spirit. He said, when your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And I said, what's the kingdom of God like in heaven? There's no fear. No sin, no darkness. And Jesus said, that's what you should be praying for on earth. And that, that has so gripped my heart for the last seven or eight years when I heard that from Bill Johnson and read that book. I thought, Lord, we have settled for so much less. We've settled for so much less than what your kingdom. I look at the book of Acts. They turned the world upside down. We're not turning our worlds upside down yet. I thought, Lord, there's a few things we haven't quite got in place yet. But the Holy Spirit's taking us on this amazing, amazing journey. I want to just move on to the second part of this message. It's called, You Have an Open Heaven. So we were door openers and gatekeepers. And once again, I was praying about two years ago, May two years ago, in a prayer meeting, walking up and down here. And this time the Lord severely rebuked me. He doesn't do it often. He's only done it two or three times in my life. And this was two years ago. I was walking and praying, Lord, give us an open heaven over our church. Give us an open heaven over our city. Yeah, he rebuked me. He says, don't you ever pray that way again. He said, you've already got an open heaven. He just whacked me. And I, I almost sat down and said, God, what do you mean? And then over the next hours and several months, he took me on a journey through the scriptures and showed me we have an open heaven, learn to live under it. I want to take you on that quick journey that God showed me um, two years ago on this area of open heaven. Mark 1, 10 and 11. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love with you, I am well pleased. Now I used to, I went to Sunday school and we'd have the nice pictures of, 
you know, Jesus coming up out of the water and the nice little cloud parting and the beam of light coming down, the dove fluttering down and sitting on his shoulder and then the father speaking, you're my beloved son. Remember those nice Sunday school stories? Well, I'm sorry, that's not quite what happened. It says, when Jesus came out of the water, he said he saw heaven being torn open. It's a very dramatic, powerful word. What had been promised for centuries had come. But no one expected this. Heaven invading earth through the humility of a man, the son of man, the son of God. The heavens opening at Jesus' baptism by John was not a simple parting of the clouds. It was a violent act, first represented by Isaiah when he prayed in Isaiah 64.1, rend the heavens and come down. The word rend is to tear, to tear open. So now, hundreds of years later, God's answering that cry of Isaiah and the people of God. And an invitation had been made on behalf of humanity and God had answered in person. Tearing open the heavens was in itself an act of ultimate grace and glory, resulting in spiritual forces of darkness suffering serious consequences. The heavens had been closed most of the time during the Old Testament for the average person, with some prophets and leaders having an open heaven with God, such as Moses, Isaiah, Ezekiel, and a few of those guys. But for the average people, heaven was closed for them. They had to go through someone else, do all their sacrifice, and, and maybe they might feel his peace or forgiveness. But here we see Jesus, when he came up out of the water, heaven torn open. Matthew twenty-seven fifty-one says, At that moment, now Jesus, when he dies on the cross, at that moment the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. Now I put those two verses together because the same word for heaven being torn open when Jesus came up out of the water and the Father spoke is exactly the same word that's used for when the temple curtain was torn from top to bottom when Jesus died and it says the rocks split open in the earthquake and it's exactly the same word used three times in scripture. It may be used somewhere else but they are the three main times that very violent powerful word is used in scripture. And so the heavens were torn open never to be closed again. The curtain was torn open. So now the veil has been opened. People can enter his presence at any time if they come through Jesus. The old covenant is now finished and we come through the blood of Jesus Christ. The rocks, the hardest places on earth, were responding to the change in seasons Splitting open to signify that Jesus, the King of glory, was welcome to come and rule here. No mind or heart is too hard for Jesus to break open. And when you understand this, the way you pray for your unsaved relatives will change. The way you reach out for the people that are opposing your church and your community will change. If God could turn around a Saul to become a Paul... No place is too hard for him to break open. He sometimes just wants someone on earth to pray that prayer and to see it 
and then he begins to break loose. So this is a very powerful truth. So God took me on this journey over these days and weeks and months after he challenged me to show me what he meant. And the heavens, the prince of the air had no authority over Jesus, who would be the prototype of every believer who would walk on the earth after his death, resurrection and ascension to heaven. If we just roll it back a bit, when Jesus was born, what happened? We had an open heaven. Luke 2, verse 9. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around him, and they were terrified. But the angel said, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will be great joy to all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly... A great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So when Jesus came to earth, heaven opened, the glory of God was revealed to say Jesus has come to earth. When he got baptized, came up with the water, heaven was torn open. And an open heaven came over his life and ministry. That's why he could walk with an open heaven and hear what the Father said every day. And he wasn't worried. When the boat's going down, he says, No, Father, you've told me we're going across and getting that demoniac release. So he was sleeping through the storm when everyone else was panicking. See, when you've got an open heaven mindset, you will live life a lot less stressful. Because you trust that your Father is leading you through the journey. You've got to wrestle through the fears and the anxiety. But something changes in the very way that you see life and do life when this becomes a revelation in your heart and soul. Jesus came from heaven and invaded the darkness, sin and hopelessness of humanity on earth. Okay, Jesus rose from the dead, did 40 days of preaching and appearing to me. Well, what happened when he went back to heaven? Acts 1, 9 to 11. After he'd said this, he was taken up before their very eyes And a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Wow. One day... Revelation is we're going to see him come in the clouds in glory to this earth. So when he was born, baptized, died, went to heaven, there's an open heaven all the way through. Fast forward a few more days. Day of Pentecost. Acts 2, 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house. Like the blowing of a violent wind coming from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. What happened here? We call ourselves Pentecostal churches. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was poured out. Now there's an open heaven over every believer. That's what the Holy Spirit does for our lives. 
That's why every time you speak in tongues, you are charging up your spirit and reconnecting and reminding yourself that we are a spirit-filled person, son and daughter of God that has an open heaven over our lives. That doesn't mean you don't face intimidation or problem because the enemy will come and contend with that first of all he'll try and contend with your understanding of this truth he'll make it seem like the heavens are closed he'll get people against you and stuff happens and contentions happen but we've got to understand we walk by faith not by sight and we've got to understand the truth that from the day of pentecost there's been an open heaven available for every believer but it's a faith journey and a choice to live with that mindset and grow in that revelation in our hearts and in our lives. Jesus paved the way for his experience to become our experience. The Holy Spirit, the treasure of heaven that Jesus and the Father spoke so reverently about has been released on earth. What happened on the day of Pentecost? I watched a teaching DVD that Peter gave me last week. Just a short one from Bill Johnson. He explains in more detail what happened on the day of Pentecost it says there was rushing mighty wind and there was fire if you read in the Old Testament in Psalms it says my angels are like winds and flames of fire so what happened whole lot of angelic activity happened the wind and the fire they were everywhere because it shook the whole city there's 120 of them got filled with the Holy Spirit They're speaking in other languages, glorifying God. Now, that wasn't unusual in itself because there were dozens of languages spoken. It was an international city. They all came in from all that. So they were used to hearing people speaking all different languages in that city. It was a multicultural city when they all came to work. So it wasn't just the speaking that got their attention. Something else happened. It was a supernatural roar from heaven, and the angels probably swept over that whole city and thousands of people left, dropped their workplace and all ended up outside on the street and Peter preached. This was a powerful visitation from heaven that shook that whole city and set the church in motion that we're still a part of today. And this is why I believe we must make more room for the Holy Spirit in our lives and ministries because if we want to change the world like the book of Acts did, it's the only way we can do it. That's what the Spirit of God has been stirring me for years and saying you've got to get back into this life of the Spirit and progressively the last few years he just keeps opening doors and challenges saying get up and let the Spirit flow in all of his fullness and power because if you do, you'll see the same results they saw in the book of Acts. Persecution does arise. The natural reasoning mind will contend with it. When the Spirit of God breaks loose, some people don't like it because it upsets their comfortable world. And I've talked with pastors, oh, we, God started to do some things, but it got really scary, so we backed off. I said, wow, that's really a shame. If we would have kept going just a bit longer, the Spirit of God would have sorted out some of those that were struggling. Or even your fears, the Spirit of God would have helped give you revelation and understanding like this and you would have been able to keep running. I believe we have an open heaven. And we've got to reach up and embrace it and make room for it in our lives and churches like we more than we ever have before. Because let me tell you, the Spirit of God's coming in great power to sweep across, across our world. I've had several significant encounters with the Spirit of God the last couple of years, which 
have just shaken my world. I'll share one more right now because I have a Friday morning prayer meeting. It's for me to get ready for the weekend and a few people come and pray and we have a great time. Troy's always there and we... And it was the last Friday of September last year. I was sitting down in a seat there and I was walking up and down, up and down the aisle praying. It's 6.37 in the morning and clear as a bell... In a very quiet but persistent whisper, the Holy Spirit said, sit down, I want to show you something. Oh, I get excited when that happens. I wish that happened every day. I wish that happened every day in my devotions, but no, it only happens just rarely. <laughs> so I pulled out my notebook, got my pen, and I had nothing in my heart or mind. I thought, what am I going to write? Because sometimes when you get something, said, I better write, sit down and write that down before I forget. It was the other way. He said, sit down, I want to show you something. But he had, didn't start saying anything until I sat down with my pen ready to write. And then he asked me the question. He said, I want you to write down a list of all the major revivals and moves of God since 1900. So immediately I start arguing with the Holy Spirit. So I'm not a church historian. I don't know all that. He says, no, you know enough. That's how he talks to me. <laughs> we got this interesting conversation goes on. There. You know enough. So I thought, well, I'll start writing. 1906, Azusa Street. The outpouring of the Spirit that's helped most of the Pentecostal churches started. 1929. Smith Wigglesworth, and that great move of God that happened of supernatural around the world. 1949 was the beginning of Billy Graham's major crusade ministry. Oral Roberts, T.L. Osborne, all of those great ministries started around about that year. Late 1960s, early 1970s was the charismatic move where tens of millions of people were swept into the kingdom and filled with the Spirit all over the place. 1994 was the outpouring at Toronto. 95 was Pensacola and Rodney Howard Brown and all that fresh demonstration of spiritual power. So I'm writing all these down and he says, look at the pattern. And I'm looking, what am, what am I looking for? And then I saw it. Every 20 to 25 years is another major outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Because every new generation needs a fresh encounter with God. And those that have had it, the previous one, it's got a bit tired and worn after 20 years. We need a fresh infilling and power and stirring of the Holy Ghost. And then he said, how long since the last one? I said, 21 years. He said, that's exactly right because it's building now. This was September last year. So I live with this incredible excitement because I see the rising tide of the Spirit. I see stuff beginning to stir the signs and wonders are starting to increase. The authorities building in the church. The supernatural transformations are happening where people are getting radically converted again, not to make a decision. And five years later, you hope they've sort of got the basics together, you know. No, they're radically converted from day one. You don't have to chase them up. They're chasing you up. Can we meet together again and do some more Bible study? Because the Spirit of God's got a hold of them. I'm seeing the signs of that. And then I was bold enough to say, what's it going to look like, Holy Spirit? I've learned when, it, when the Holy Spirit's speaking, don't just get a little bit and then run off like I used to. I talk to people. You have a great service and the presence of God's there. Wow, that was awesome. God spoke today. And I say, what did he say to you? Oh, I don't know. It was just such an awesome feeling. I said, no, what did he say? Oh, he said something about breakthrough. I said, what? did he really say to you in the church and I realized most of us don't listen 
and we don't ask specific questions of the Holy Spirit. He's waiting for us to ask so we get it clear. He's our teacher and a teacher won't leave you with half-truths or part of the story. They'll make sure you get it. We don't stop long enough to ask. So I'm learning to ask more specifically. So I said, Holy Spirit, what's this next move going to look like? I don't even use the word revival much anymore. He didn't use the word revival because revival has so many connotations. And often revival is something that's going to happen somewhere down the track. I haven't prayed for revival for years. I pray for an encounter, an increasing move of God, an awareness with an open heaven, transform lives. It's okay if you pray, use the word revival. I've just stopped using it for a few years. I rarely use it when I preach because it just gets so many connotations that people think something's going to break loose one day. Well, let me tell you, most moves of God, there are suddenlies, but there's a whole lot of dailies in the process. You read the book of Acts, all those amazing miracles, there was sometimes five years between them. Doesn't mean there weren't others happening, but if you've got to do the dailies right and you'll get the suddenlies. And so I said, Holy Spirit, what's it going to look like? He said, it's going to have a lot of similarities to the past moves, but there's going to be a few different things. He said, number one, there won't be many significant churches or leaders that are leading it as much as some previous revivals. There will always be some apostles and prophets and spoke, but it will be break loose in any church or leadership or ministry that's open and hungry for my spirit and my presence. It will be a body ministry in a greater measure than we've seen in previous moves. That excited me. The next thing he said, he said it will quickly spread out of the church. And these are the specific words he said. It will change cities and cultures. That's what he very clearly said to me. It will change cities and cultures. So it won't be about just getting ourselves revived and having great services that will just be the trigger points for the church to be mobilized and the presence of God sweeping and moving significantly and rapidly across cities and will change cultures boy do we ever need a move of God in our nation you walk down the street people are getting desperate for answers I go to the Chamber of Commerce with the successful business people in our city and they're saying, what's going on in our world? That's a great doorway. And the Spirit of God's at work. A couple more and we'll wrap it up. There's a few other things I chatted with the Holy Spirit on, but that was the main things he said. It's going to transform. And you've got to be open and hungry for it. Because when God's Spirit moves, he shakes things up. Just look at Acts 3. The guy gets healed, wrecks their service. Comes jumping in, leaping, praising. The religious guys are so upset because they run sheets out the door and they're really upset. Wrecked their service. Oh, God. Two more. Stephen saw an open heaven when he was martyred for preaching about Jesus. Acts 7.54. When the members of Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand 
of God. Wow. Wow. I said, Lord, what's that got to do with it? He said, when you're in ministry, when opposition and persecution comes, just keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't lose your focus on an open heaven, the calling and the kingdom and the purpose of God because you'll see heaven open. You don't have to always die for your faith like Stephen did, but you will see and experience an open heaven no matter what's going around you. What happened when Saul was on the road? Killing and imprisoning the uh, people. It says, Acts 9.3, As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. From where? From heaven. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Wow. He was opposing God and God brought a flash of light from heaven and it transformed his whole world. In my devotion this morning, I read 2 Corinthians 12 and 13. He said where he was caught up into heaven. He obviously in those three days had a revelation of Jesus in heaven. It indicates he spent time in the desert where his whole world was transformed because he had an open heaven over his life. These are not mystical experiences. This is real life that takes you on a journey of transformation. And last one, Ephesians 2.6. This is the great one. This is where we live today. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Every believer has an open heaven through the finished work of the cross. Now, I used to think, well, that's, that's spiritually true. But I'm still, my feet are on the ground. I've still got to eat food and sleep and all that. Yeah, we live in a human body, but we've got a spirit that's connected to an eternal God. And Jesus was our example, the Son of God and the Son of Man, anointed of the Holy Spirit and revealed the kingdom of God. That's the example that you and I have. And I believe that God is going to teach us, show us how to live with an open heaven over our lives. If you're a Christian, most times that you feel like you have a closed heaven, it is in your thinking and reasoning, not in your spirit and faith. We all wrestle with that. Darkness can cast a long shadow, but in Christ we live in the light. Worship and pray until you experience the open heaven over your soul. We can't let darkness shape our awareness of the heavenly atmosphere that dwells upon us. The size of the open heaven over us is affected in some measure by our spiritual maturity and our yieldedness to the Holy Spirit. What you are most aware of will determine how you live. Are you most aware of Jesus in the open heaven or of sin, fear, darkness and evil? What you're aware of, what you focus in on will determine what degree of freedom and open heaven you live in. This is where we all live. We're all human. We wrestle with fears and anxieties and pressures and other people's opinions, the lies and schemes of the enemy. That all happens to all of us. But as men and women of God, he want, he's calling us to a higher level of freedom. Don't go back to the old ways of sin and the law. So we say, well, I don't, I don't get this open heaven stuff. I, God doesn't speak to me like that very often. That's for the prophets and the apostles. Hey, he wants to commune with all of us. Right now, if I grab my... Pete's got his mobile phone. I'll just borrow his phone. He's got a mobile phone here. And that phone can plug in and get messages from all over the world. He punches in the right stuff. 
It's tuned in. He can get Google anything he wants to. All those messages are in the atmosphere all the time around us. You just need the right receiver to get the information. That's what your spirit and my spirit is. And our renewed mind is as we learn by the spirit to be tuned in he can say and do anything to you and through you it's just learning to tune in tonight we're going to talk more about prophecy and the gifts of the spirit Uh, i'm going to talk about how how god's taught me to tune in to the spirit realm whether i'm down the street in the plane in church or half awake when you first wake up in the morning your spirit's buzzing it's i love that because you know your spirit doesn't sleep your body and mind does your spirit's alert all night it's the only time god can sometimes get through to us because our minds are there we're so busy doing stuff i'm convinced the only time god can get through to some of our spirits (laughs) it's so awesome and god wants to teach us how to tune in Remember the old car radios that used to get, you have to try and tune them when the signals weren't real good? Get all that static. And you're just right in the middle of a nice bit and all of a sudden it's gone and you're, you're busy trying to look at the road and sort it all out. Some of our spirits are like that sometimes. We just let stuff and the, the lies of the enemy and the condemnation and the fears and the shame and the limitations and the unworthies and all that rubbish that just comes and tries to robbers it's the static god wants to show you how to quickly tune in how to quickly tune through the static and that's something only you and god can work out we'll share over the next few sessions some of the ways that we've learned to do it personally and as a church to help us move into more freedom in that realm of the spirit and boy it's so so exciting as we do that you carry the presence of god with you wherever you go and other people will become aware of his presence malachi 310 here's another nice one for the pastors this is a good one for the pastors it's about money malachi 310 bring the whole tithe into the storehouse we love preaching this one don't we that there will be food in my house test me in this says the lord almighty and see if i will not throw open the floodgates of heaven Whoa. And pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Woo. I love that one. When we do resource and money his way, God has ways of bringing open heaven personally and corporately over our lives. And I believe we're going to see more and more of that in our lives. What you see in the Spirit, by revelation, you can have. What you see in the Word that comes alive, you can have. And God wants us to get a hold of that in our hearts and our lives. Last verse, Acts 18, 9 says, One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you and no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. That's a verse for some people here. You've been doing it tough thinking, God, hardly anyone's getting saved. 
Lord, it's just hard work and there's so many distractions and pressures and personal challenges. Let me tell you, God would say to you, don't give up. Keep lifting your eyes because there are many people in this city yet to be saved. The Spirit of God says he strives with people everywhere that they would be saved. The Holy Spirit's doing a whole lot more out in the community than he is in the church sometimes. Because we're not sure we need him as much as we do. We've got it organized. We've got it sorted out. We think we do sometimes. But the Holy Spirit's out there trying to win people to Christ all the time. And the more an open heaven you have over your life in your church, let me tell you, there'll be people coming into your church and into your sphere of influence every week until it becomes daily in your community because we are carriers of his presence. Oh, Lord. Let's stand and just take a moment. This one's been more a prep one and... uh, inspiring you next next session tonight we'll do some more teaching and moving in prophecy and the gifts of spirit but i wanted to stir our hearts and get an open heaven because if we don't get this right all the other mechanics don't work we're going to have the open heart and the expectation and the faith just stand for a moment just reach up to heaven just let the holy spirit just touch your heart afresh right now thank you holy spirit you are so amazing even in this session god may have spoken something to you a scripture or thought or a story think wow that's what God's been getting through to me on that just confirms what the journey I've been on or maybe it stirred something and saying God I hunger for that open heaven oh Holy Spirit right now we reach up to heaven Lord we lift up our hands like antenna to pick up the messages of the Spirit that are just all around us all around us Lord and Lord sometimes we just don't see them or hear them because we've got so much clutter so much busyness so much going holy spirit help us to focus in and tune in i pray tonight and tomorrow lord you would just help each one of us get sharper and clearer of how to tune in and hear the life of the spirit lord just to flow and overflow holy spirit right now i just thank you for your word lord even one or two here saying well I wish that would happen. That hardly ever happens to me. My mind just races and, and I love your word and I love you and I love your presence. But Lord, it doesn't seem to flow like that for me. I believe the Holy Spirit's going to help show you ways that work for your personality, your unique makeup. He's created you with your gifts and your mind and your personality and heart. And he's got an amazing open heaven and treasure for your life. And the Spirit of God's going to shift your focus this couple of days together. I see a shifting of the focus. And some of you think, well, that's a lot of change. No, sometimes it's only two degrees change. The Lord will remind you, if I get in the plane in Brisbane and the pilot's two degrees off, I'll end up hundreds of kilometers away from LA airport where I should be. It's sometimes only one or two degrees adjustment that will get you to the target. And the Holy Spirit say, don't be overwhelmed. Think, oh, I just, I don't know if I can hear like that. Or I don't know whether my, I can see or understand in the Spirit like that. The Lord says, sometimes it's just one or two degrees adjustment in your focus, in your passion, in your um, ability to hear. He that has an ear to hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Lord, I thank you that you're speaking to your church, to our lives. Holy Spirit, I just pray your amazing blessing over us.
Lord, give us a great time of fellowship and, and food and whatever we do right now and bring us back tonight just ready and hungry to passionately worship you and just to let you speak and equip us to be men and women of your spirit in a greater and freer way in your awesome name. Amen. Let's give him praise. Thank you, Lord. Woo! Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.